Welcome to the Become Who You Are podcast, a production of the John Paul II Renewal Center. I'm Jack Riggett, your host. Hey, thanks for joining me today. St. Catherine of Siena said that if you become who you are, that you would literally set the world on fire. And St. Athanasius, an early church father and a doctor of the church, said the Son of God became man so that we might become God. You know, I make a wild guess at this, but I bet you most of us are a bit disconnected from this divine life that these saints are pointing us to. Yet St. John Paul II said there's an echo of the story of this divine life that we're created for inscribed in each human heart, in your human heart. And if you put on the proper lens, if I put on the proper lens, we can get in touch with this echo within us in such a way that we have that aha moment. See, that's the genius of St. John Paul II's theology of the body. It connects our lived experience of life to the gospel in such a way that our life takes on a whole new meaning and helps us answer those big questions that our whole culture is so confused about today. Who am I? What's my purpose? Why were we created male and female? How do I find happiness here on earth? How do I find love that satisfies forever? Hey, glad you're with me. I'll be right back for today's episode. Hey, I'm so glad you're with me. You know, my heart really goes out to the young people today. And, you know, a lot of the older people today that we just grew up in this very twisted, distorted culture, didn't we? You know, we've been repeatedly lied to about the very basics concerning the, the meaning of marriage, the family, what authentic love is, the true meaning of sex and our sexuality and such, so much more. This left so many of the young people I'm talking to anxious, depressed, and unhappy. They're just, there's just so many ways to be out of touch with your heart. You know, I I just uh, I just had dinner with this uh, beautiful, passionate young woman. She's the wife and mother of a number of kids under six years old, and she's going through a a tough past, uh, patch in her marriage. I can relate. You know, can't can't we all? Anybody that's married here, even if you're not married, you know, life is a battle. Well, anyways, we talked about this. Uh, this really, you know, the beauty when you see a passionate uh, a, a woman who who who's trying to get in touch with her heart and understand what's going on. You know, in the midst of really a tough battle when you first get married and you're having kids and and you know and, and you know you 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 expected this the, your your husband to pick you up on the back of the white stallion and we rode off into the sunset, right? But something happens along the way. You know, life can get really rough. So we talked about her passion for something more. Yet, you know, she said, you know, my heart feels this passion. And my husband loves me and he tries, but it just doesn't seem like enough. You know, the kids, I love my kids, you know, but I just received a text just a minute ago that one of them's not feeling well, didn't even make it to the bathroom and made a mess all over the floor, you know. And I, and I looked at, I looked at her in the eyes, you know, and I see the beauty of her eyes and, and, and just like listening, you know, just this emotion coming out and listen to her words. And they told of an intense stirring of her heart, you know, uh, the passionate uh, desires for romance and love, meeting the nitty gritty of human beings, our relationships, our demands, you know, they can wear us down, huh? Yet, and I and I know that I should, you know, as she said, I should push these passions and desires for romance and, and adventure, beauty, something more. I can't even put it into words. You know, I should push them down, right, Jack? You know, because I could get in trouble with this if I'm not careful. You know, I have so much, and I'm grateful for all those gifts, but yet I'm not fully satisfied. I'm not really happy. What's going on? I'm not really fulfilled in any lasting way. You know, what great questions. You know, isn't it beautiful when you, when, when you get into these kind of conversations? 
this young, beautiful wife and mother, you know, uh, just by being in touch with their passions and desires was on the key. See, this is the key of the Christian life, uh, not only of the Christian life, of every life of every one of us. And the key is not, and listen to me here, listen to me here, the key is not pushing down our passions and desires. And that's what I told her. I said, yeah, you're onto something. Now let's just stay there. But she goes, it hurts too much. It's an ache. Yeah. The passion desires again for romance, adventure, beauty that we got married for in the beginning, you know, that we, we look out as I remember as a young man, just looking out at the world and saying, yes, this is an adventure. It's going to be a battle, but we're going to seek beauty. And we have these desires of our heart for something more. You know, if we are honest, this is at the core of each one of us at each human heart. And too many of us grew up without a mentor, without a guide like John Paul II, you know, without understanding the great mystics and the saints and and to get in touch with our human hearts. And it's too bad. It's really sad because the saints and the mystics knew all about these passions and desires, as did the the ancient Greek philosophers, as did Jesus who spoke about them often, the cry of the Psalms, the song of songs. You haven't listened to that. If you you don't hear the cry of the heart, you haven't really understood the the song of songs. You know, and the great literature throughout the ages, there's a theme to that. You know, this morning I woke up, and I looked out, and the sun had not come up yet, but the, but it was starting to move up, and the clouds, you know, over where the sun was coming up in the eastern sky were intense, rose, reds, violet hues. You know, this is a master artist at work. The beauty is almost breathtaking, and I got up, and I looked out the window, and as I looked at the panorama, it was even more beautiful. You know, and I know people try to capture this in pictures, but not me. It's just I can never get it right. I just soak it in. Because I know if I'm lucky enough, I'll be alive another day. And, and God does this. He's got all these great artists, you know, Michelangelo and all these Bernini and everybody's up in, you know, in, in heaven. And, and he's got these different artists and he can go to work anytime they want. And they do. But you just let this beauty soak in. See, it, when you let beauty touch your heart and these aches and, and get in touch with them, not try to push them down. And of course, not try to indulge them. Because when you try to indulge them, you're just trying to satisfy an infinite need with finite things. So let's do something here. I want you to come with me just on a journey. Think of a time in your life that your heart was pierced by something so beautiful that it made you ache inside. You know, maybe it was that sun coming up or a starlit night. Uh, you know, or sunset, the beauty of a man, the beauty of a woman, huh? This is something so important to us as Christians and as human beings in, in general to get in touch with these and to understand where they're coming from, to have the courage to let beauty pierce your hearts, touch you something deep. See, we have just too many distractions today and we live on the surface of things, but we need to get in. We need to have this cry of the heart you know, it'll get you in touch with something. And I propose to be a Christian is to allow our hearts to be pierced by small B beauty. This is small B beauty that I'm describing here in order to lead us to big B beauty, capital B beauty. It's always been this way. All of creation, our desires, our passions and desires, the small B beauty that we see all around us and created things, we're always supposed to open up to big B beauty, capital beauty to God himself. All of it is supposed to lead us there. You know, God himself created it, and he created our hearts. And if our hearts are wide open enough to the gift of divine beauty, seized by divine beauty, allow small b beauty to bring us up and transcend ourselves, captivated by God himself, we'll be transformed into something beautiful ourselves. It's called sanctity. 
It's the biblical version of what it means to be human. See, this is where our desires are actually pushing us. So that's why we don't want to stuff our desires down. You know, we read this in St. Paul, who I'm just going to go off the top of my head here, but basically said, you know, husbands love your wives, wives love your husbands as Christ loved the church. He's bringing this, the small be beauty of our marriages, our relationships, you know, this nitty gritty of our life and to open it up to big be beauty, which is supposed to do, you know, we're created a mago day in the image and likeness of God. It's the bridegroom on the cross himself that came back to restore that, which we lost that link that we lost in the beginning. And that's why we're wavering around with these passions and desires and they don't feel like they're connecting. So we're always looking for something more. It's Jesus hanging on the cross, you know? So Something about beauty. Stay in touch with beauty when you see it around you today, this weekend, the next day. You know, beauty awakens our deepest longs and desires. Have you ever had that experience that you encountered beauty and and you felt yourself just groaning inside, you know, like yearning for something that nothing in this world satisfies? This is what I'm talking about here. This is what this young woman was describing. This is an each human heart. There's a name for that ache. This name for this cry of the heart. The fathers of the church have borrowed the language of the Greeks. The, of the, the, the fathers of the Catholic Church use this language, borrowed from the Greeks, the ancient Greeks. Uh, it, you know, uh, uh, Socrates, Aristotle, Plato, they called this eros, huh? And what, what English word do we get from eros? It's the erotic. And tragically, though, in our post-sexual uh, revolution and pornographic world, that word erotic has become terribly twisted and distorted, and it often comes to be thought of as a base desire for selfish pleasure. But that's not what, what, what the ancient Greeks, that's not what Plato meant when he talked about eros. Eros was that desire deep within our hearts for the, these noble desires for everything that's true, good, and beautiful. And love of a person, yes, but all of creation. You know, again, that sunset coming up this morning, something about beauty draws us in. But when that, when that, that eros, that desire for the true, the good, and beautiful is like a, a laser beam pointed at a person, let's say a woman for a man, just, ooh, that ache you know, deep in our hearts. Uh, you know, it just, it moves us out of ourselves, and that's supposed to. But unfortunately, sin has come in and twisted it and distorted it. But Christ came into the world not to crush our desires, but he came in the world to awaken them and, and not for sin management, but to pour himself out, divine life and love, pour himself out to us and redirect our desires to all that's good, true, and beautiful, to the stars, to infinity and beyond. That cry of the heart of, of is yearning for capital B beauty. It's a yearning ultimately for God himself. Every time you get touched with this, if you think about this, open yourself up to Jesus Christ, and you're going to find what you're looking for. You know, it's too bad how many Christians, and I remember Christopher, Christopher West, I had a class one time, and also I'll put it in the show notes. He has this wonderful book called Fill, uh, Fill Your Hearts, I think. Uh, I'll put it in the show notes. It's a great book that talks about these desires, if you're interested. But, you know, we grew up, Christian, uh, I remember Christopher West saying, you know, in, in, this, uh, in this Christian culture sometimes, and we think desire is the enemy of our Christian life. And how many of us grew up on that? And, and he called it the starvation diet, huh? Where we push it down, we try to starve ourselves. That's what this young lady was talking about. Jack, should I be pushing these desires down so they don't get me in trouble? Well, you know, if you live on a horizontal plane in the culture, that's what the culture says. You know, there is no God. These desires are just live on a horizontal plane. So you can either push them down or you indulge them, right? But when you indulge them, you never find what you're looking for. If you were raised in a Christian home, 
I ask you to reflect, you know, would you say in your Christian upbringing there was an open, honest, normal, and healthy conversation about God's beautiful and glorious plan for erotic desire? I mean, do your parents, and do we have mentors that ever tell us, guys, this desire in your heart is for God, and now it's expressed in the creative world as we fill ourselves with divine life and love. This enables us to have this noble, untwisted, undistorted passions and desires. We can live these out in true love. This is what God does for us, right? You know, the majority of us, though, were raised on, a, on kind of the starvation diet. Don't look at that. Don't look at that. Don't look at that. And then the culture comes in. Mr. Google comes in and, and shows us to uh, pornography, doesn't he? And then we think, wow, we start to indulge. And then we go into these cycles back and forth. And so many of us are just caught up in these cycles. But the reality is we don't live in a 2D world. We live in a 3D world, and in the 3D world, we start to get in touch with our hearts. We don't push them down. We don't starve them. We don't indulge them because it doesn't do us any good. We get these cycles. We open our desires in 3D. We have to go to the vertical plane, and if you think about this horizontal 2D plane, starvation diet or indulging, and now you add the vertical plane, and that's Christ right there in the middle of the cross on where those two beams meet, and there he says, give me your desires because I have desire for you. And you come into me and I'll come into you and we'll untwist and undistort those desires. We'll see it in 3D. Now we see in 3D. What does that mean? That those desires of our heart have been put there by design to lead us to our destiny, to infinite love. That's the way it was supposed to be all, you know, all this time. I remember, you know, getting down on my knees at one point, uh, many, many points, but at one point specifically, you know, and after I was, you know, we were married for seven or eight years and it just didn't seem like it was working. You just get down on your knees and goes, what are you doing with all these desires? You know, I'm just so frustrated. And there, that's the a great time to be underneath the crucifix. And you look at the corpus, you know, look at Jesus on the, on the cross and you say his desire is for you. You know, those were his final words on the cross, right? I thirst for you. And then it's consummated. He said, what's consummated? This pouring out of, of God's divine life and love into us. This makes this connection. That's where our desires are for. Our desires are infinite desires. You know, if you think about this, you would think the Catechism of the Catholic Church is this big book about everything Catholic. You would st- think it would start out with morality or trying to tell a story about, you know, God or Jesus or the prophets or, or something. But you know how it starts out? The catechism of the Catholic Church starts out uh, on desire. It's number 27, but everything before this um, was just you know opening up, and here's how the catechism worked. But here's how it opens. Section 1, Chapter 1, Part 1, The Desire for God. That's how it starts. The desire for God is written in the human heart because man is created by God and for God, and God never ceases to draw man to himself. And only in God will he find the truth and happiness he never stops searching for. You know, the dignity of man rests above all in the fact that he's called into communion with God. Such a beautiful thing, huh? All right. So how do we get in touch with this? You know, you really, every day, I I talk about this a lot, but every day before you look at your phone, you have to open your heart up to the infinite. This is where we're going at the end. You know, life is very short. So get down on your knees, really, you know, learn how to say the rosary. Uh, You can do whatever you want, of course, but the rosary, I have those morning prayers in the show notes. Say some of those morning prayers. And the morning prayers start with the Holy Spirit prayer, I always say, which is like the third one listed on there. It's a short prayer, but it's asking for wisdom and guidance for the day. And then I usually say, 
prayers in there, those morning prayers, a lot of them are focused on 24 hours because just like this young lady and times in my life, you know, you just can't see how this is going to pan out in the future. And you're right, we can't, but we, we really have to focus on this 24 hours. And C.S. Lewis talks about that a lot. The saints and the mystics talk about that a lot. You know, we, we, we are in an adventure and it is a romance. We have to open that up and, and don't try to see too far ahead. You know, the gospel today, and this is the, and the third part, I always talk about Lectio Divina, reading from the Magnificat or some similar book that's going to unpack the scriptures for that mass that, that day, whether you go in the mass or not, hopefully you can go to some morning masses too, you know, during the week, but, but whether you do or not, read the scripture for the day, pick out some readings. Today, the gospel, this is, uh, what's the date today? April 17th when I'm recording this. It's the gospel of John. It's a Saturday morning. And uh, and they're out on a boat, so the apostles are on a boat. It says, when it was evening, the disciples of Jesus went down to the sea, embarked in a boat, and went across the sea to Capernaum. It was already grown dark, and Jesus had not yet come to them. The sea was stirred up because a, because a strong wind was blowing. When they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and coming near the boat, and they began to be afraid. But he said to them, it is I, do not be afraid. They wanted to take him into the boat, but the boat immediately arrived at the shore to which they were heading. The Gospel of the Lord. As I was thinking about that this morning, thinking about the conversation I had last night, thinking about the sun coming up, you know, here we are rowing in our boat, huh? This is our life, rowing our boat, getting tossed about by the seas. And and here's Jesus like a ghost sometimes. Isn't he coming to us like a ghost sometimes? And you get nervous, you know, how am I going to approach this? What am I going to say? And they invite him into the boat. But as soon as they open to him, when he says, don't be afraid, they open to him and invite him into the boat. That's us opening our desires and passions and, and hurts and pains and our aches and our suffering. And we open it to Jesus. You know, right away, what happened? They wanted to take him into the boat. We opened to him, but we arrived at the shore to which they were heading. Sometimes Jesus will do that. You know, you'll find uh, the, the answer in him. The answer is in him, and he'll lead you to where you're going. He'll get you through that day. It does this over and over again, and you're walking into this adventure. You know, only then does your passion and desire last for a lifetime. My dad is 94 years old, and he's the most joyful, passionate guy. He can't see anymore. He's blind. He's almost deaf. You know, his, you know your, your body starts to fade. How can you be so joyful and excited about each day? It has to be walking into this infinite story. Otherwise, you wouldn't have it, you know? Uh, the meditation today from St. Ter- Teresa, and this is so beautiful. It's, uh, it's called Guided to the Shore. St. Teresa of Lisieux, St. Ter- Therese of Lisieux, she, was, uh, she died in 1897. We call her the little flower. She was a French Carmelite nun who died at the age of 24, but she was declared a doctor of the church. And, and Therese was 15 years old when she wrote this letter that I'm going to read you part of today. She wrote it to her little sister, uh, Pauline. And it says there, it says, it is very true that the drop of gall, that a drop of gall must be mingled in all chalices. A drop of gall, huh? Some bitterness in, in, in life, huh? I find that trials, she said, this is 15 years old. I felt, I find that trials help very much in detaching us from this earth. They make us look higher than this world. Here below, nothing can satisfy us. We enjoy a little rest. We cannot enjoy a little rest except in being ready to do God's will. 
I mean, what a, this is a 15 year old girl. She says a little gall, right? Some, some, some pain, some aches is good because it reminds us that, you know, don't get complacent in this world. These trials help us detach from this earth and make us look higher, she said, than this world. Here below, nothing can satisfy us. And we, you know, we cannot enjoy a, a little rest except in being ready to do God's will. So, it, so you rest, you, you're relaxing, you have a glass of wine. But at the end of the day, you know, you, you prayed, you meditated, you connected to God, and we're ready to do as well, whatever that means. She goes on to say this in her letter. My little boat is having a lot of trouble reaching port. For a long time, I've seen the shore and I always find myself far off from it. Jesus, who is guiding my little boat, And I am sure that on that day, when he wills, it will be able to approach the port safely. So she's rocking around for whatever reason in her little boat, but she knows Jesus is guiding it. And she knows at some point he'll bring it into port, huh? Oh, Pauline, I want to give myself totally to him. I want to live no longer uh, but for him. And no, I shall not fear his strikes, for even in the most bitter sufferings, I always feel that it is his gentle hand that is striking. She goes on to say, life passes so quickly that really it must be better to have a very beautiful crown and a little trouble here than have an ordinary crown without any trouble. What is she saying? She wants a beautiful crown and a, and a little trouble here. It brings you in again, you know, these, these aches, these pains, these little troubles bring you into the infinite. It brings you into this relationship with Jesus. She's saying what? She Don't be lukewarm. I don't want an ordinary one, she said, without any trouble. You know, Look at, what's the problem when Jesus said, you know, I'd rather have you hot or cold, but if you're lukewarm, I spew you out. And we say, well, that doesn't sound fair. You know, wouldn't you rather have me lukewarm than cold? And he says, no, I'll spew you out. Why? Because if you're lukewarm, you can be average all your life. We weren't created to be average. Remember what I wrote in the beginning? You know, St. Athanasius said that, that, you know, you know, we're, you know, that we, we created, God created us and God became man so that we could become like God. St. Catherine of Siena said, become who you are and you would let the, you like the world on fire. That's what we're here for, right? So anyways, at the end, she f- finishes like this. Oh, Pauline, I'm very fortunate that God has given me a sister like you. I hope that you will pray for your poor little sister so she will correspond with the graces that Jesus wants to give her. She has such a great need of your help for she is far from what she would like to be. She's far from what she would like to be. Huh? So at the end of the day, I'm going to sign off. Just remember, feel these little aches and pains in your heart. Remember to open them up to Jesus. This is the this is the really the secret, the key to, to, to really this Christian life. You know, where is God in my life? I have these aches. I have these pains. I have these desires that no, nothing on earth can, can fill. Yes, 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 and yes. Open all of that up. And you will see you're going to journey into his heart. His pierced heart on that cross where the blood and water flowed out is going to come down and and you open that up so that you receive that into your pierced heart. And what is that blood and water? And this is the last key I'm going to leave you with. That's the sacrament of baptism and confession. We call it reconciliation. What is reconcile with what? Reconcile with God, right? The one who came to wash away our sins. That's the nuptial bath that gets you ready for a relationship. Just like if you're going to get you're married on your wedding day, you take a bath, you get cleaned up, and, and that's what we're doing here. We're going to enter into a relationship with God. We, we take a bath, we get cleaned up. This is that, you know, you know, he forgives your sin. He just washes you, cleanses you. You're free. And then you're free to do what? What's the red part? It's the Eucharist. You know, you become one flesh with God. You become one flesh with God. Can you imagine? He pours himself out on the cross. 
I'm thirsty. I'm thirsty for you, and I give my life for you. It's consummated. It's finished. What's consummated and finished? I poured everything out to you. And all we have to do is open that up. And we make this connection. See, God became man so that we could become God. In uh, Redemptor Hominus, uh, John Paul, this is his first encyclical when he became Pope. He said, he said, just remember this, the Redeemer of man, Jesus Christ, is the center of the universe and of history. To him go my thoughts and my heart in the solemn moment of the world that the church and the whole family of present-day humanity are now living in. He said, in a certain way, Jesus there on this cross has united himself with each man. He took on our humanity. And and in that openness, our fiat, our yes, his humanity and our humanity are commingled together. But, But he brings us this divine life and love that we lost, that link that we lost in the beginning because of sin. This is what we're looking for. These are the infinite desires of our heart. Open them up to Jesus and you'll find your way. Hey, God bless you. Thank you so much. Great to be with you today. Bye-bye.